Hi, I'm Melissa from the Northeastern Melbourne Integrated Cancer Service, and I'm here to introduce you to the Common Path podcast. These have been developed to support people who have been diagnosed with cancer. Listening to this podcast will provide you with an opportunity to learn from others who have already experienced cancer. They share how they made decisions, what they learned along the way, what helped and what they wish they had known. In this podcast, you'll hear from three people who've been diagnosed with colorectal cancer. Kevin was diagnosed with bowel cancer in 2008 and received surgery and chemotherapy. Donna was diagnosed with colon cancer in 2015 and also received surgery and chemotherapy. And Jens, who was diagnosed with low rectal cancer in 2013, received chemoradiotherapy, and this was followed by surgery and then a second course of chemotherapy. You can find information and support for people with colorectal cancer at bowelcanceraustralia.org. Each of the podcast participants has their own story to tell and will bring their unique experiences to the discussion. In this first section, Diagnosis, they start by talking about their own cancer diagnosis, how they reacted and how they coped. At the time of diagnosis, I had been experiencing um, nine months prior abdominal pain and I did think that I knew something was wrong and I, I uh, had just become so busy and, and involved in my life and had lost track of priorities. So uh, at the diagnosis, it was certainly, there was uh, a huge amount of emotion. One of those was, look, I really should have been looking into this uh, much earlier than I did. It was rather unusual, I suppose, and everybody's different, but uh, I'd been going through a period of uh, irregularity uh, with my, my stomach and my bowels and my general well-being, which had been going for some months. Uh, and then suddenly I found that my bowels had stopped working. And after about three days, I was in front of the gastroenterologist and he had me in hospital within 24 hours. And within three or four days of that, I was on the operating table. So I'm rather unusual in the sense that uh, I didn't know that I had bowel cancer until I came out of the operation and uh, the surgeon and my wife were at the foot of the bed and they told me then that I'd had cancer. I had bleeding of the bowel, um, ex- uh, bleeding and I just ignored it, thought it was fine and long story short I went to my doctor and he was really concerned so he gave me a list of specialists. I chose one, went straight away pretty much, and um, he diagnosed it straight away as cancer um, for, and I didn't believe him. I said, I haven't got time for that. I've just landed a good job. I'm happy, I'm healthy. He said, well, you have. And I went, okay, my life's gonna change. Now what do I do? I was shocked because uh, there's a very common misconception that uh, bowel cancer is an older person's disease. I was uh, finding it very hard to come to grips with, but I did receive a lot of support from the medical profession, but also uh, from my community and, and of course, the Bell Cancer Australia uh, website was a great um, place to visit as well. It shocked me in the sense that I had something wrong with me, but there was a relief that they'd found the cause of the blockage and there was a relief that they'd found the cause of my not being well for some months. 
So it was mixed feelings. In this section, Making Treatment Decisions, you'll hear about how they made decisions about their treatment and what were some of the issues they needed to think about. It, it seemed like a roller coaster when I look back. Uh, it was the end of February uh, 2014 and the uh, colonoscopy detected a very large tumour. The tumour was blocking my colon, so within a week a medical team was pulled together and I had surgery on the Saturday. So it did happen very quickly. It was a week of uh, CT scans and MRIs and PET scans, blood tests. The whole week was a bit of a blur. No time to think at all. No, it was just so quick. And uh, I was in hospital for, uh, I think it was 10 days, and uh, I went through the usual process of recovering from the operation, uh, which wasn't easy. Uh, but I should also add that um, when I came out of the, uh, all of the drugs and things given to me during the surgery, uh, there was the bag. And that was something that was completely new. And so I had a whole process to go through physically and emotionally of getting used to having the bag. And I was told very quickly uh, and very early, early on in the process that the bag wouldn't be there permanently, that it would probably only be there six months. I was taken to a room by one of the staff at the Austin Hospital, Livia Newton-John Austin Hospital is where everything happened um, once I'd had the operation. And they showed me what I'd be going through after my chemo and radiation of, um, I think it was six months. Um, I carried the chemo, which was uncomfortable. It was just like carrying a baby's bottle. And when they did the operation um, to block my bowel and carry the stoma, and I carried that for eight months. Chemo, I knew, was supposed to kill the cancer and the radiation was supposed to burn, burn it. So either way, both of them together had to work. So I just did them because I thought it was the right thing to do. I spoke to people throughout the week. I... Uh didn't have time to really look into a second opinion because there was a sense of urgency around removing this tumour. Uh, but I was, you know, I felt very fortunate with the treatment that I received. Um, they have a professional stoma nurse who comes in and takes you through the processes. And so I made it clear to her early on in the piece that I would really need a lot of help with it. And my wife was very helpful. So I think within about three or four days, uh, of coming out of the anaesthetic, I was ready to start thinking about it more seriously myself. So it didn't take me as long as perhaps I thought it was going to take. I tend to research and, and like to be well informed and I thought I was doing the right thing when I was diagnosed with bowel cancer. I went online and, and um, you know, put in a, in a search engine a few different terms, but um, it's not I, I, something I wouldn't recommend because... Okay. Yeah, you, you uh, can't rely on the information as being credible all of the time, but, uh, but then, you know, you hear all the bad news as well through Dr Google. So um, I realised very quickly I was best listening to my bowel surgeon and my oncologist. I'd had private health cover um, for many years. The only time I'd really utilised that was through obstetrics when I was in hospital having babies, but... In saying that, I had I have friends that have 
uh, had their oncology treatment through uh, Frankston Hospital and, and the public system and they were really well um, looked after and ran very quickly as well. In this section about treatment, you'll hear about the treatment they each received, as well as some of the side effects they experienced and how they managed them. Not everybody experiences side effects and they can vary from person to person, depending on the type and dose of the treatment you receive. My treatment was for nine months. Um, during that time it was chemotherapy and uh, that included regular visits to the oncologist. So I would meet him, he would analyse a few things and then I would go in to do the chemotherapy. And that happened once a fortnight for three days. Throughout my treatment I um, started to keep a journal. Um, I kept it up from day one until I had the, my stoma bag removed and then I stopped. I don't know why, but I just did. Um, and then going back to the treatments, um, how I dealt with them. Not very well at first when they said to me I'd have to have the bag. Um, I was petrified, mortified, all of the above, because um, I thought, will it be smelly? How am I gonna, I won't be able to go out. Um, how do I change, how do I, how do I do that? Because you're dealing with your internal organs on the outside. The help you get from the stoma nurse, which was a male nurse, um, he was amazing. He helped me right through it. He said, you'll be fine by the time you get out, Jens. This is what you do and, you know, and if you have any problems, always ring me or come in and see me, whatever. Throughout the whole process, um, you do receive a huge amount of information and there's um, medical terminology and, and uh, you seem to be going from uh, visit one visit to, to the next. So it's really important, I found, uh, to ask questions. Don't be afraid to uh, ask if you don't understand anything or just for it, for it to be in plain English as well. I kept a journal every day and that was great to be able to look back on uh, because with chemotherapy, uh, sometimes there's fatigue associated or, or there are days that you're obviously not feeling your best. But I just had a scrapbook, a good old-fashioned scrapbook, um, a journal, and didn't uh, hesitate to ask questions and to, and to ask for help and actually embrace off those offers of help. And that really kept me on track. Um, and not to look too far ahead, just to look at it every, each day. And it was just a, a blank diary. And I um, wrote down uh, my treatment plan, different, different medical terms that you know, I, I had explained to me, but also it was, it's terrific to look back on now because I had written down my feelings and, and uh, the stages that I was at. So I'd, I'd highly recommend people um, keep a journal and just keep track of all of that information and the medical information that you receive in the one place. So I bought myself a laptop computer and I used to sit for the two or three hours in chemotherapy writing or doing emails or whatever. And I found that was a great way of uh, getting through the, the chemo without feeling maudlin about it. 
and how do you feel through it when you come home? My daughter always had, if she was home and she was studying at the time too, um, ginger with hot water and manuka honey. Those three, just keep drinking them, bring them on, just like the champagne. It, it helps you get through it because they help with the nausea. So you have a mug ready and the kettle boiling all the time and lay down and rest because if that's what you need, you just do it and don't feel guilty because that's what's going to get you through it. Resting, positive thinking and good true family and friends around you that are there to help you. And don't feel guilty because I never asked for help until I got this. Once I was diagnosed, it took me a while, but I started asking for help. I need this and I need that and I'm feeling down or whatever, or I need someone to take me somewhere. Um, and they were there. I continued to work and that kept me active, my mind active. And, uh, but some days I found it really difficult to, to multitask while I was having chemotherapy. Looking back now, uh, I would have cut back uh, on my working commitments. But look, I, I feel I managed well over that six months. Just I should have really um, embraced more offers to assist. And one of the most important recommendations the GP gave me was to see this particular psychologist. And he said that she would be absolutely ideally suited to my situation, which it turned out that she was and still is. So I still see her regularly. The more I went along through my chemotherapy, the more questions I asked. And I wish I asked those questions more at the start of my diagnosis because um, getting as much information as you can um, is terrific and, and of great support. And, and you are, you, your head's, you feel quite um, overwhelmed with the information that you get at the start. So it's really important to have a good support network. Well, what I found in once you once you get into this whole stoma and bag routine, you find that there's a massive support network out there for you, and um, you can go and pick up your equipment at a place that's used to dealing with people who have that. So I would say to somebody who may be uh, having to go on the bag for the rest of his life or her life, it's not as daunting as what it really does appear to be, because of the support network that you've got, and I found that to be very very encouraging, even though I was only on it for about six months. Uh, one thing that I would have loved looking back is actually having having this opportunity, being able to talk to people that have gone through the process and that have um, survived and that have, um, you know, had a really great result. That to me would have been really, really helpful and reassuring at the time. I've been a yoga uh, practitioner uh, for longer than I can remember. And so for me to get back into yoga um, after the operation and after I was physically capable of doing it uh, was an easy decision. And fortunately, I found a place near where we lived where the lady was very sympathetic to my condition. So she devised a routine for me, which was not going to exacerbate the surgery or anything like that. The other thing is that my wife would get me out regularly walking, and I found that uh, very, very important. But the most important to me was getting back in the water swimming. And so I found a, a rehabilitation pool um, at Melbourne Aquatic Centre. And I found that made a huge difference. And then I gradually moved from that into the pool so I could then again do laps.
One thing that you do find with a cancer diagnosis is that everybody knows somebody that has died of cancer and they will always share that with you. Um, but the success stories are out there as well. And, you know, we're proof that you actually can um, succeed and, and um, have a really great outcome. In this final section, what helped? You'll hear about some of the things that helped them through their diagnosis and treatment. So positive outlook was certainly something that helped me, but getting out and, and enjoying fresh air. Just one thing that I really appreciated, I always thought I did appreciate the little things in life, but not until I had a cancer diagnosis did I really start to appreciate the little things like um, salt air on the beach, the sunshine, uh, going for a walk along the beach with my dog. That was part of my uh, that was part of my success, I believe, in in dealing well with the the uh, chemotherapy and the oncology treatment, uh, and trying not to sweat the little things. Just go for it. Uh, the other thing is to try and maintain your positivity by doing positive things and making sure. And I think this is one of the most important things: is making sure that when you get up in the morning, you've got a reason for getting out of bed and don't just sit back and, uh, and be maudlin about it all. After treatment, um, I was still carrying the stoma bag and I, can t I, I remember um, asking my stoma nurse, now I want to go try and go back to dancing socially, see how I go, what can I do? I don't want that bag jumping around and causing me embarrassment. So there he spoke to me and we organised special knickers that hold you in like a girdle and some people didn't even know I had a stoma bag and girlfriends that knew that I, what I'd been through were just, I can't believe you're doing it, good on you. So you don't have to give up everything. You just ask for the information that you need to help you get through it as best as you can. So yeah, I started dancing and um, it made me feel better within myself. I thought, well, this is a bit more normal. Um, I can do this um, once or twice a week. I get tired, but that's okay, it's worth it. As I was going through chemotherapy and the six months of chemotherapy, it was probably after the first month that I started to think about the end of my treatment. And my advice would be to think of something that you've always wanted to do and aspire to, to get there after your treatment, to be well enough to do it. And for me, that was planning a, a wonderful celebration holiday with my family, with all six of us to go away. And that worked really well for me. Stay active, that's right, yeah. And if it's only for two hours a day, you still do it. And even if you can only walk 100 metres, just walk 100 metres, because the next day you'll probably be able to walk 110. We hope that the information in this podcast has been valuable. There are some general strategies that we recommend you follow when diagnosed with cancer, many of which have already been spoken about. However, they include learn all you can about your diagnosis and the available treatment options. Take someone with you to all of your cancer-related appointments. They can help you remember what was said and it's a good idea to ask them to take notes during the meeting to help with this. Prepare your questions before your appointments and don't be afraid to ask them. 
Keep a copy of your medical information. Seek and accept help when needed. And finally, talk to members of your healthcare team about appropriate exercise. For further information, don't forget you can contact the Cancer Council Information and Support Service on 13 11 20, where you can speak directly with a cancer nurse or you can visit their website at www.cancervic.org.au and to find out what you can expect as you move from diagnosis to treatment, check out the What to Expect guides at www.cancerpathways.org.au As a final piece of advice, please remember to discuss any concerns or questions you have with your treating team. They will know your personal circumstances and will be able to provide you with the most appropriate information and advice. You can also watch this podcast as a video. Just go to YouTube and once there, search for A Common Path, Cancer Support and Advice. You can then follow the link to the video you want. Our thanks go to Kevin, Donna and Jens who have generously shared their experiences to make this podcast possible. The Northeastern Melbourne Integrated Cancer Service would also like to acknowledge the support of the Victorian Government who made the production of this podcast possible.